Hello, friends. This is Maureen Lee Maloney, and welcome back to My Doc Journey, the show where I reveal every step in my process of creating a feature-length documentary, even the steps where I fall down and cry. Hello, and welcome back to My Doc Journey. Okay, so this week I had my first sort of promotional fundraising event. It, of course, got snowed out because this is Colorado, and whenever I schedule something, it always snows. So, But we still had about 16 people come, so that was exciting. I was really glad that anyone came out uh, because it was in Boulder, so it was a little bit of a drive. It was definitely kind of hairy driving back home, so hopefully everybody made it back there safe. But I still got to show people my footage and answer questions, and that was exciting. I I love talking to people about my film. I also had my consultation this week with From the Heart Productions and um, the Roy W. Dean Grant Foundation, and they gave me some really great feedback. Uh, they were really stoked about my film, and and I don't think that I'm giving away any trade secrets here when I say this, uh, because people have told me this before, but it definitely sounds like, because this was my first time applying for the grant, that I should, you know, the next time that I apply for the grant, I'll be sort of bumped up higher on the list. And really, if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, every time that they have a grant cycle. I'm sure there's tons of tons of films that they're so excited about. They can't give all the films, you know, the grant at once. And so if people continue applying for them, then each time you sort of uh, move up the list. So, uh, you know, they definitely encouraged me to apply again. And, you know, this is something that you should keep in mind if you apply for a grant and you don't get it, don't get discouraged. Keep applying. I know some of them come around once a year, and so you have to really wait a long time, and uh, things can move along in your in your filmmaking process. Uh, but some grants, you know, like the, the Roy W. Dean grant comes around, I think, three times a year. They have, um, they have uh, periods where you can apply, and I know a few other grants that do that as well. So keep applying and don't get discouraged. And if you can get feedback on your application, uh, one of the things that they told me was that they wanted to see my footage, even though that wasn't necessarily a requirement. Obviously, that's going to be helpful. I didn't have footage to submit uh, during the last grant cycle, but during the next grant cycle, I will. So I'll definitely have that as much dialed in as possible. So there were two things that I wanted to talk about today. Um, One really quickly, I want to talk about not feeling bad if you're making your art for free. And the other thing is I want to uh, go back over some of the gear and sort of give a post-trip gear review. If you missed it, I did create a video that's on the Facebook page uh, about what gear I was going to be bringing with me to Madagascar. Um, But I didn't really kind of talk about um, any, like how I felt about any of the the equipment. And some of the equipment I was using either for the first time, like my GoPro Fusion, or I hadn't 
had a ton of um, experience using the the gear, like my uh, DJI um, Osmo Pocket. So, okay, so, but going back to not feeling bad about making your art for free, because I saw a post about this on a, on a filmmaking website or a filmmaking a Facebook page recently. And I, and I totally understand that, you know, because I, I also am a videographer and so a freelance videographer. And so when people come to me and, you know, want me to work for free, it's, you know, it, it can be a little discouraging, uh, depending on what it is though. You know, I definitely, if there is a small nonprofit that's really struggling, but doing great work, um, I, you know, will, you know, consider helping them out. That being said, there's only so much work that you can do for cheap or for free. And uh, we're all, I think all freelancers or most freelancers are, are probably struggling pretty, pretty much to, to make an, ends meet because there are behind the scenes costs um, that, that do add up. I'm, you know, really surprised at how frequently equipment needs to be replaced just because sensors wear out and things like that. So it does, it does cost a lot of money to be a freelancer. But uh, if you're into filmmaking, you're probably into filmmaking really because you're a creative and you feel compelled to be in the creative field. You feel compelled to make something. And in that case, you know, if you feel compelled to make something, then a lot of times, you know, even if you can't get the money to do it, you want to do it anyway. So a lot of people are in the film industry saying, don't work for free. And this person actually wasn't even in the film industry. This person was a dancer. Made me feel kind of shitty for for the the work that I do for free because my, my web series, Girl Aspiring, I currently do for free. Obviously, there's a limit to what I can do. I can I was only able to do five episodes this this past year because it takes a lot of time to do that stuff. If I had money to do it, then I could do more episodes. They could be better. The quality could be better. All of that kind of stuff. But I felt compelled to make it. I had to make it. And I, I'm going to work on, you know, getting funding and stuff like that. But regardless, I'm going to make some sort of art. And I once approached this dancer that I had worked with and I I was like, hey, let's do something fun to go. Let's create a cool dance video project kind of stuff. And she was like, well, you know, it's hard to get money for that kind of thing. Like she wouldn't do the project unless she was going to get paid. And I'm just thinking, well, let's create something. But then recently... I was watching a friend of mine's band and I have some friends who are just incredibly talented musicians. I know that they practice every week and they go out and play and they make a little bit of money from going out and playing, but they don't make a ton. You know, they don't, they can't quit their day jobs. You know, they still work to make a living. And, you know, I was really inspired by that. And I thought, you know, if they're, 
if they're doing this because of the love of it. And I and I spoke to one of my friends and and he confirmed he was like, yeah, art is just something you have to make. And other artists have said this to me before, too. Uh, and and I think people who only work for a paycheck will will never understand this. And there are definitely plenty of people in the film industry who are only working for a paycheck. It's just maybe they like films, but their job is just a job. It's not really a creative endeavor. Uh, at the same time, though, you do deserve to get paid for your work. And, uh, you know, another artist, a writer, actually sent sent me a script an amazing script and he said you know something along the lines of oh you know the shameless self-promotion I was like no it's not don't feel bad to promote your art because I it's the the art has like a life of its own even this script I thought no you're if this story has come to you uh it has chosen you in a sense you're just doing its bidding it wants to be out in the world um, your art deserves to be out in the world and you deserve to be able to eat and pay off your student loans. So don't ever feel bad about going out and asking for money, um, looking for sponsorships or things like that, um, because you do deserve to get paid. So it's 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 a whole thing. Just uh, do what makes you happy. Don't feel bad about asking for money or working for free. Uh, you know, if this is a hobby, if making web series and stuff like that is a hobby and somebody makes you feel bad for doing it for free, just stand by your right to create something, whatever you want to do. Anyway, uh, oh, there's um, Elizabeth Gilbert uh, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She has another book. I think it's like called Big Creative or something like that. And she kind of talks about that. She really encourages people in the early stages to not quit your day job, to not put that kind of pressure on your art to make money and just make just make your art for the fun of it. OK, so let's talk about gear and the gear that I used in Madagascar. Um, the star of the show was definitely the DJI Osmo Pocket. That thing was a lifesaver because there were so many instances in which I was like, oh, I need I like need my camera really quickly. And I just whipped that thing out and it takes really good footage. It's 4K footage. Also, uh, you can switch to slow-mo really easily and take gorgeous slow-mo video, which is probably going to be a star of the film in the end. Some of this cool slow-mo video that I got. You know, obviously, there's not uh, the the flexibility with things like coloring. I can't, you know, shoot it in in uh, S log or anything like that. Uh, so, so in the end, it might turn out to be a little bit more of a challenge um, coloring wise. But uh, I think it's probably worth it. The color is good. It's just. It's obviously going to be an issue at the end, whack, matching it up to my Sony footage. But, I mean, it was just so convenient and light in, in instances where I was hiking and I wanted to try to get some footage. Um, but I was, you know, in a strenuous hiking situation. Um, that was helpful. The only bad thing was to really 
get the most out of using it, you have to attach it to your phone and the phone drains the battery out of the Osmo. So the the battery, I didn't get an actual time, but I want to say it was like an under an hour, definitely under two hours that I was able to use the Osmo in any one shot. So that's a major problem. It's I almost feel like I could shoot a whole film with that camera except the battery issue. So if you have any ability to carry around the battery packs and constantly be recharging, maybe if you had two Osmos, which is not undoable because I think they're, they were only like three, $300 or something and just swap them out. Um, that would be, I would love to see somebody just make a whole film with the Osmo pocket. Uh, yeah. Um, the fail, the biggest fail that I had, I think for me was the, the peak design DSLR rain cover. Um, because there were times where I was hiking through the rainforest I thought that rain cover would be uh, really convenient to allow me to continue shooting footage but have something kind of preventing the water from getting on my lens and on my camera. But you really can't shoot with the rain cover on it. You can't have a uh, microphone, an on-camera microphone, and you can't uh, access the zoom or the the, um, focus features on the camera with the rain cover on. So I'm not really sure in what instance the rain cover actually would be a useful thing. But, um, so that was unfortunate and definitely some of my footage has, (laughs) it has moisture drops on the, the lens because it was just like a constant battle to keep the moisture off my lens when I was in the rainforest filming, but it is what it is. It's, it's going to be fine. It didn't destroy my footage. Um, there's a lot of flexibility in documentary films when it comes to, uh, to the visuals. And, you know, I, I my, myself have my perfectionist tendencies that I'm trying to learn to overcome. But, um, yeah, I have to, you just have to accept some things. And that's one of those things we have to accept. Um, that's, you know, so the, my, my Sony a7 III is what I was shooting with, um, and I've been shooting with that for a few years now, and I love that camera. It's so um, It does take some time to set up. If you're just getting the a7 III, especially if you haven't worked with a Sony before, you're going to look at that menu, and it's going to make your head spin. The menu is crazy, but you can program all the buttons on the camera. So all of the important things that you need to access, you can program into a button so that you can just hit that button, make whatever changes you need to make and go. Uh, so for that, I really love that camera. And also, of course, being able to shoot an S-log. And then there's uh, a setting that um, that kind of compensates for the S-log a little bit on your on your screen. Because the, the one thing about shooting an S-log is that it makes everything flat and then it's hard to focus. So there's a setting on the camera that will kind of compensate on your screen so that it's not quite as flat. It's still a little bit of a challenge to focus, but um, it's it's a lot easier. And then, of course, you have the peaking. If you're just in S-Log, the peaking doesn't really work. Um, but if you have that compensation setting on your on your screen, then the peaking will work at least a little bit. 
to help you find your focus. What else? What other gear uh, do I have like comments on? I was using the Rode on-camera mic. You know, there's just limitations to the on-camera mic. I probably will not be able to use really much of the audio that I got this time. Um, definitely going to have to have a, a sound recordist for any future um, productions that I do so that I can have sound for the final film. Um, and But that's fine. Uh, that that was planned. I knew going into this, you know, that I didn't have the money to hire someone, that I was just going to get footage for a trailer and the end footage that will be able to be used in the final film, but that I, I will have to go back and, and record the audio because uh, having good audio is really, really important. And getting good audio while also shooting is just really difficult, nearly impossible. And especially, I would say, in the settings that I was in, where there's just always background noise going on, and there's never going to be a chance to to be in a quiet setting. Um, you have to have the sound recorders. So I will do that next time I go back. And while it was good to have that on-camera um, audio as, as much as I could, it's just, it's, it's limited. It has limited use. So uh, what else was this? Okay, so the GoPro Fusion, I think I mentioned this before, but I wasn't able to connect it to my phone. So it has an app that comes with the GoPro Fusion or that you download and you're supposed to be able to look at the footage on your phone, but it doesn't work with all phones and it didn't work. The app doesn't work with my phone. So that was extremely annoying, but I still was able actually to get some pretty good uh, GoPro footage. I mean, it's 360. So as long as, as long as the front lens is pointing at what you want to be in front of your viewers and, you know, the, the rest of the the area is relatively clear and you're at sort of eye level for what for where a viewer would be you don't necessarily have to be able to see exactly what you're shooting but it would have been nice um i am pretty happy though with the footage and how it came out and the audio actually it does the gopro fusion 360 does record audio um and so that's that's nice i thought i was going to have to record audio separately but i didn't have to do that and um, <laughs> I will say this, though. Okay. So as a filmmaker, obviously, I instantly put all my footage from the SD card onto an external hard drive, onto two external hard drives, actually. And then you, you know, you take your external hard drives to your computer, you edit from there. You're never going to, a professional is never going to just plug their camera into their computer. That's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for losing your footage or just, you know, being um, disorganized. You really, 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 if you're going to make a film, you're going to end up with so much footage music files, photo files, screenshots, graphics, just just a million different things. You have to be organized from the beginning. And that means taking your SD card out every day from every one of your cameras, putting them in a file for that day, you know, just being very, very organized. But 
the GoPro Fusion is not set up for that. The GoPro Fusion is set up for just plugging your camera in and opening up the studio, stitching your stuff, and immediately exporting it. In order to go from having your putting your files from the camera onto your hard drive and then putting those files into the program, you have to reorganize all of the files in this really, it's not, if you've got a lot, it's going to be time consuming. It's mostly just, you know, as an editor, you're constantly trying to save time on everything because there's a million little things that add up, add up, add up. So having to reorganize these folders adds up in the end. And then of course, you really have to let your camera, unless you have uh, a super duper powerful computer, you have to let the computer sit overnight to render these things so that then you can go in and edit. It's just kind of crazy. And then the GoPro Studio, once you close it, then all the files that you were working on are gone and you have to re-import them again when you reopen. It's just anyway. Um, how these things are not set up for professional use, I don't understand. And then the other side of that, the flip side of that, is playing this footage. So I got the Oculus Go, which is a Facebook product. And again, like if you're if you're buying the Oculus and, and the Oculus Go is the cheapest one at two hundred dollars and that's with 32 gigs of memory. It's not set up for professional use because a professional is obviously going to want to upload their own footage to it. No, this thing is set up just to play games. It's set up to sell you these like the same stupid games that are on Facebook, um, only in in 360 3D form. So when you turn on the Oculus and you you put it on, it's already filled with game apps, and those are the easiest thing to access. Those are just right there when you put it on. Like I, I said, um, you know, I got the I got the cheapest one at two hundred dollars because I'm not made out of money, people. Uh, so it was thirty two gigs. It already had like twenty two gigs worth of apps loaded onto it. So the first thing I had to do was delete all of these apps to even have space to put my own footage on. And then connecting it to my computer was this huge disaster because I haven't. I have a Mac. This this thing is set up as an Android device, so I had to to download. Anyway, I'm like I'm not even going to go into that, but just so you know, I spent hours of my life trying to figure this thing out. I was super stressed out. I I finally got some footage on there. It's it's just it's so annoying. Why aren't these things set up for professional use? I have no idea. But uh, it is what it is. Um, I'm so excited to have the 360 video. It really is just amazing. But um, and I, I'll try to be, you know, I'll I'll try to be forgiving here and say that this is the early stages of of 360 video and VR headsets. So, you know, hopefully things will be um, improved. But I just really feel like these these companies 
are spending so little effort on user experience and user design. And then, you know, and they don't even really give you um, instructions. There's like super, super basic use instructions online. They're really crowdsourcing the, the instructions. They just expect people with tons and tons of free time to figure out how to do stuff to figure out how to resolve the problems and then create YouTube videos and stuff. But of course, those YouTube videos end up being most of the time not very good. It's like it's like, you know, some kid who's just like, "Okay, so the first thing we're going to do is open up the program." So to do this, and it's like, no, I don't need you to tell me how to open the program. Anyway, <laughs> okay, I could I could uh, rant about this forever, but I'll I'll move on from that and won't torture you because if you do these things, and I, I do recommend you know three sixty video and stuff, but um, just be prepared to suffer for your art. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's pretty much it. The, you know, I had brought my MacBook Air and a couple of um, Seagate external hard drives to put my footage on. Yeah, I can't think of any other gear that was really worth talking about. But if you have a question about any of the gear, if there was gear that I mentioned in my, in my video on Facebook <clears throat> that you want me to talk about, then, then please just send me an email and let me know, and I'm happy to to go into more depth on anything if you're wondering about stuff. So yeah, again, you can find you can find me on Facebook at my doc journey. You can message me there, um, mydocjourney.com, and you can always just email me Maureen at wildairfilms.com if you want to ask a question. Um, or give me some feedback or tell me about your project that you're working on. If you, if you want to get some attention, if you want to post that, if you want to post that on Facebook and um, get people to go like your page or uh, get some feedback on anything, just let us know. And that's pretty much all I have for today. So I hope you have a really amazing weekend and I will talk to you later. (laughs) 